I'm travel journalist Catherine Romine, and this is Banyan Tree's Compass Podcast, a series in which I talk with changemakers living purposeful, inspiring lives about the experiences that have shaped them and their visions for the future. Today, I'm thrilled to be speaking with Purnima Shrestha, an intrepid adventurer and inspiring Nepali photojournalist and mountaineer who is advancing the possibilities for women in some of the most gorgeous and treacherous mountains on earth. Purnima was born and raised in the village of Arugad, known as the gateway to Mount Manaslu, the eighth highest mountain in the world. By scaling that 8,163 meter peak in 2017, she kicked off her mountaineering journey with a bang. Last year, Purnima became the first Nepali woman to climb seven 8,000 meter peaks of Nepal, including Everest and Annapurna One. At 31 years old, she's now halfway down a path to complete the world's 14 highest peaks while working hard to protect and raise awareness of climate change issues in the Himalayas every step of the way. When she's not conquering mountains, Purnima uses her photography to bring light to hidden stories and issues for the newspaper Karobar Daily, as well as outlets including the New York Times and United Nations Development Program. Purnima, I can't wait to hear all about your experiences and amazing accomplishments. I know that you're currently in Nepal, as is your friend Shristi Kafle, who is helping us with translation. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. So first, I'd love to know what you consider your frontier moment. In other words, what moment or personal experiences inspired a dramatic shift in your life that led you in a new direction and catalyzed your current path? Thank you. Thank you so much for the question. I started mountaineering from 2017, but before that, I didn't have any dream to conquer mountain. Even in my childhood, I have never ever thought of conquering any mountain, but I always had this feeling to do something big in my life. When I reached Everest Base Camp in 2017 as part of a photography assignment, I went there actually to click photos for the Everest Marathon, which is an annual event. And when I saw the mountains from very close, at that time I imagined how the mountains would look like exactly. And then when I returned, I came up with this dream of conquering Everest. So before that, my dreams were small. But then after I saw the mountains very close, Everest became the biggest dream of my life. And I continued mountaineering from that. Wow, that's pretty amazing that your photography led you to that. So that brings me to my next question, which is how did you discover your passion for photography? And when did you realize that you could use it and wanted to use it to incite change? Actually, I studied journalism in my college. Uh, it's called mass communication here, but it wasn't focused on photography completely. But uh, after my studies, when I went to the field and started working, I saw that there were only very few female photojournalists. So I thought like since it's an outdoor job, it's a bit challenging. So that's why only few photojournalists who were females. So it also gave me some sort of inspiration. And then I thought like this is the one that I really wanted to do. So after that, I started photography as the career. And when I started this, 
I always wanted to take up risks and also challenges because from my very childhood period, I always wanted to do something really unique, really big. So here also in photography as well, I always wanted to take risks. So instead of only doing simple photography, I loved doing the photography during disasters and also to capture the struggles of people in daily lives. So I was always associated with those things and and then I thought that it would be really helpful to bring some change in the society. Mm. Well, that's wonderful. There's such a possibility of capturing people's hearts and minds and speaking to them in a really authentic way through photography, I think. Was there any one assignment that made you feel like you were fulfilling this intention of making change? A photo is an evidence which can really prove something. It's not like writing text which can be done from from the decks or from indoor or from anywhere. But for photo, you need to be on the side. You need to be on the field. So it carries the reality. It carries a proof. So whenever I go out and click pictures, I feel that photo reflects reality. And even in our society, even in Nepal, people are really concerned when it comes to photo because whenever they are trying to do something wrong, they have always this fear in their mind that if the photo is there, then their real deeds are out in the public. So I also associate it with the fear. It also discourages people to do something bad or to do some sort of crime because they will be a bit aware what if my photo is out? So I have captured all of this, both good and bad, in my photojournalism career in last 10 years. And I think photo also contributes to the society in this way to discourage crime and to discourage the wrong deeds. Mm, that's so interesting. You're really in a photo capturing truth, right? So growing up at the base of Mount Manaslu, what was your relationship like with the mountain? I know you said already that you didn't dream even when you were a child that you could ever conquer it, but was that because you were a girl? Was it just not something you ever imagined that you could have done? Though I was born near Manaslu, actually I couldn't see the mountain from my house itself. But I always regarded the mountain as an epitome of beauty. So I related it with happiness. I related it with the smile. Whenever I saw mountains, it always had me a like, feeling of wow. When I decided to climb Manaslu, I observed it very closely. Once I decided to climb Manaslu, I had some sort of bonding with that mountain and I had some sort of curiosity. What's there? What's behind there? So I had a different feeling when it came to Mount Manaslu. Hmm. And were there people telling you not to do this? What kind of encouragement or discouragement did you experience and have to push through when you did decide to take it on? Manaslu is my first mountain. When I started the, this mountaineering journey, it was the first mountain. And when I shared uh, about this, that I'm climbing Manaslu, actually nobody believed me, not even my friends or relatives or family. Uh, one reason is because I was from a different background. So I was not from the mountaineering field at all. And next is because I lived in a very low altitude than the mountain altitude. 
And next is my community, my ethnicity. It's not from mountaineering. So that's the reason my relatives my and my friends, they didn't believe me. So they always used to wonder, what is this girl doing? What is she planning? How will this be doing this all things? And everyone said, mountain is not for you. Also because you are a girl. Also, you don't have any sort of training. So how would you do it? So everyone was very much like, curious and then they didn't believe me actually but despite of that it gave me more like inspiration you know since nobody is believing me mm-hmm. I got this inspiration that I have to do this anyhow though I didn't have any training though I didn't have any mountain knowledge at that time but I had this determination that I need to do this anyhow I understand that I would be the same way. I think if the more people tell you you can't do it or you shouldn't do it, the more you feel like you need to do it. I can only imagine the kind of inner dialogue that goes through your head on these kind of expeditions. How would you describe your state of mind when you embark on a climb? And what are you feeling or thinking when you finally reach the top? So whenever I'm preparing for any mountain, uh, it's full of difficulties. But throughout the journey, I only have this question. Why am I here? What am I doing here? Because it's such a difficult journey. The expedition is so difficult. So I always have this question in the back of my mind, but then I never get the answer. So I don't think about other things much, but I only have one thing, like how to survive in this extreme mountain so surviving is the key whenever i go to the expeditions so that thinking is with me throughout the way so i always think about when to reach the camps how far would be the camps how much time would be required to reach the camps and how to survive. So my thoughts revolve around these things. But despite of this, I never have the feeling of giving up at all. It's very difficult, I know, but I just want to continue and I just want to achieve the success anyhow. I know in the mountain, it's very difficult to determine which step is the last step and which breath would be the last breath. But still, I will have that fear, but... I just want to achieve success by reaching the top. And when I reach the top, there are two things, basically. One is obviously the excitement because I achieved success. And next is my emotion. I become really emotional whenever I'm at the top. I have done so many mountains already. And in each top, I have become emotional. And I have even cried in these mountains. I can't imagine how you could not cry in that moment because yeah what an incredible accomplishment to have gotten to the top each time i can't i can't imagine doing even one portion of that myself Uh, So whenever I go for the mountain expeditions, I don't just leave my footprint there. But along with my footprint, I also leave so many emotions there, also memories, also happiness. So I feel in all these mountains, I have left something there. Sometimes I'm so fearful towards mountain because, uh, as I mentioned earlier as well, it's related to life and death. So I also have some sort of fear with these mountains but at the same time I also regard these mountains as my friends because whenever I'm there I share all my feelings with the mountains they are the ones who are 
close to me and then with whom I can share my both happiness and pain. So I have a different sort of attachment with all of these mountains because in each mountain, there are different memories. So I have different relationship with different mountains and also my dreams are associated with them. So I have very special bonding with the mountains. Whenever I'm in the mountain, in each step, there is a feeling of survival because I have to struggle with my life there. So I feel very happy. But once I return from the mountain to my home, I never get the same feeling here. So in mountain, I'm more grateful towards life. That's so interesting. And it sounds like because the stakes are so high, there's this really heightened experience or energy or spirit. But do you ever experience self-doubt while you're climbing? How do you keep yourself going when it gets really, really extra difficult? Obviously, no mountain is safe and no mountain is easy. So I do have these self-doubts whenever I'm in these expeditions. Most of all, I had these doubts during the expedition of Kanchanjunga and Annapurna 1. So they were the most difficult ones. During Annapurna 1 expedition, when we were moving from Camp 2 to Camp 3, there were many avalanches on the way. So... Even our guides had suggested us to walk faster and we have to reach the top before the sunrise, even after that. So there was this sort of pressure all the time because of avalanches, which we witnessed throughout the way. And also, I always had this fear, what if these ropes are broken or what if we all got buried in this avalanche? So, so there is this constant fear. Actually, in mountain, there is this sort of fear in each step. So we all know that nature is unpredictable and when it comes to weather, it's again unpredictable. So even though, even if you are very strong physically, even if you have a very good and organized team, the challenge of a weather always remains there because nobody knows when it's going to change. So we have to walk according to the weather. There is always this fear. I'm sure in the mountains you have the most respect for Mother Nature because you have to, right? You can't change it. You can't affect it. And you're at its mercy. Nature doesn't see who is strong or who is weak. I think everyone who goes to mountain, who climbs mountain, they are stronger physically. But we also know that we have lost many strong people in the mountain. So most important, there are two things. One is safety and next is weather. Regarding safety, many people are careless. So we have to be really concerned all the time whether I have put on the safety accessories in a right manner or not. And next is to check the weather. So you cannot say that I'm strong, so weather cannot do anything to me. Uh, we cannot think in that way because it's not in our hand or control. Nature is more powerful than us. So we are more fearful when it comes to weather as we have to be dependent on it. So we cannot be uh, fearless due to this factor. Mm, that's true. So 30 years from now, what do you hope your contribution will have been to the women and youth of Nepal and the mountains of Nepal and you know, the international mountaineering community and beyond? Do you feel any kind of responsibility to them? 
As you know, Nepal is known as a mountainous country, but there are only few people who really understand mountaineering and who really think about how to protect the mountains or how to save the mountains. I think people are very less concerned about this. In my case, I was attracted to Earth's mountain due to its beauty. So I always had this sort of curiosity, how would the mountain look like from close? So I'm afraid that the next generation or after 30 years, people would not be able to observe the same beauty that it's there today. And the next factor is obviously the impacts of climate change. Uh, we know that the mountains are melting and if the mountains are naked or if the mountains turned into black, then what's the beauty will be there like remaining. So I'm really afraid that the next generation would not be able to see that. So I'm trying to aware people from my side. Many tourists from the world, they come to Nepal to see the mountains. Mm. But if the mountains kept melting, then there wouldn't be anything for them. And we are the ones who have to face the huge consequence. I also feel that Himalayas are water tankers because they are also known as water towers. And if they themselves melted, then we could face severe water crisis in the future. And these days there is a huge competition for development. Also people have high ambitions and when it comes to mountaineering, they are also related to luxury because so many people they relate mountaineering and luxury together so we are destroying the mountains ourselves and i know there will be huge impact worldwide not just for us not just for nepal so i think we need to protect the mountains right from now so i'm in this campaign to protect the mountain and to aware other people about its preservation mm, i think education is so much of creating awareness, right? Women are backwards, not just in Nepal, but also worldwide. And when it comes to Everest expedition, only 12% are female climbers. So it also shows that there is a very less participation of women in this adventure and mountaineering activities. When you take my example, I was from a different caste, not from a mountaineering community. And also I lived in very low altitude. Also, I was a female, but despite of all these things, I could achieve so much from expeditions. So for the next generation, one is for all the women, I want to motivate them to come in the forefront and do whatever they dream of. And next is for all the nature lovers, I want to motivate them to come up in mountain or even other nature-related activities. And I want to inspire all the youths to follow their dreams and goals. It's not just about mountaineering, but they can achieve whatever they want in their lives. So I want to motivate the youths and the women to come forefront and to follow their dreams. How beautiful. I know you're setting such a beautiful example of that. Thinking of possibility, where would you like to see this planet in 100 years? Obviously, I know we won't be around to see it firsthand, but could you paint a picture of what you hope or dream Earth could be like in a century? I feel like nature has given us so much 
uh, in less effort and in less investment. We are not doing anything, but still we are getting everything from nature now. But I think after 100 years, we would get so much of troubles and there would be more disasters and there would be more problems in human lives. I think for now, we are trying to destroy nature through our activities and through our efforts. So I think nature will return that all to us after 100 years and there might be migration, there might be water crises and there might be more disasters. It's a scary thought. In an alternative reality, if everyone starts doing everything right and we start taking care of climate change and making big changes, what would be, Purnima, your dream of what the world could be in 100 years? like the best case scenario? So in a positive way, I think after 100 years, there will be like modern facilities in the world everywhere and the problems that we are facing now would not be then. For example, poverty and also many countries are facing starvation, hunger. There are also problems in health and education. So I think after 100 years, these problems will not exist in the world and technology will do wonders. And I'm sure there will be new discoveries, new experiments everywhere, and it would be a beautiful world if we could keep all the structures intact and if we could protect the earth now. Also, I think it wouldn't take us that long time if we want to visit the world, maybe with the new technologies. Nothing would be impossible at all if someone wants to travel the world, maybe it might be instant. And also we could have migration and then we could like shift to the new planet or even in sea I think people would build houses there so for now everything is associated with luxury we want a relaxed life but maybe after 100 years people might want to work more I mean they want to do more levers because everything is there everything is settled you have a luxury life but you want to work hard you want to be laborious so maybe people would like to struggle and take pain at that time also who knows like people might build up the houses near the higher camps in the mountains Mm. So I don't think there is any impossible thing after 100 years. So it would be the world of possibilities. I love that. I also love the idea of being able to travel instantly and explore the world and have it all be accessible to everyone. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. There would be too much of luxury after 100 years and everything would be like enough for everyone. Everything would be sufficient in life. So people would like really will to do more lever works. Mm-hmm. We would not be able to see what would be there. But yeah, I think so. Wouldn't that be amazing if life was so easy that people really wanted to get their hands dirty and work hard? <laughs> yeah. Well, Purnima and Shristi, thank you so, so much for talking with me. It was so exciting to be able to peer into the world of mountaineering in Nepal. And it sounds gorgeous. And I really hope that with your help, the mountains will be saved for all the future generations and will be there in a hundred years looking as incredible as they are now. Yeah, hopefully. Thank you so much for uh, my interview. I really enjoyed it. Thank you both for your time and Purnima for being so open and sharing 
your world. Yeah, it's out there. <laughs> Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tristy. Thank you.